Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. I'm called Adrian. This is episode 259 and is a conversation I had with author Ludwig Gartz. In this episode, we discuss the importance of truth. We take a look at the dark side of the interest money system. And Ludwig also talks about the nine automatisms, which are the effects of the interest money system and cannot be changed unless we change the interest money system itself. And we're witnessing these play out in our reality around us, from the movement of money, from the bottom where the work is done by the workers, to the top where no work is done with the investors, the pollution of the planet, hostile competition, waste, which is planned obsolescence, and the concentration of power into the hands of a few. We must not allow this monster to reach its full size and instead come up with workable, self-sustaining and supportive systems to replace it. Ludwig also offers a workable alternative based on history. Later in the conversation, we discuss why he started writing such detailed books, and he also shares with us some insights from his book on the fairy tales and how much wisdom and knowledge is contained therein. I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. And remember, you are amazing. And I'm looking forward so much to seeing you in the next episode. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Hello, Ludwig. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me today. Yes, thank you for the for the next talk we're having. And you're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. Is there anything you'd particularly like to start with today? We talked to you and I the other day about truth. Yeah, truth is a wide topic, a uh, very relevant topic. Mm-hmm. No, I have nothing particular okay. in my mind right now. All right. Well, let, let's start off with, with truth then and why it's so important, especially right now. Yeah, it's important because we are sur- we are living in a world that uh, that is knit out of lies, right? Yeah. And uh, you turn, you discover one lie, and you think, "Yeah, now I have this." And you, sometime later, you, you discover it's another lie. Yeah. And you discover there's another lie. <laughs> it's uh, and uh, a world of lies. Uh, I mean, lies are toxic. We, we we need truth as we need fresh air, right? Mm-hmm. To to live. I mean, we we have to live with the truth because, um, yeah. Spiritually, it's the, it's the air we breathe is, is the truth. Yes, it is. And, and if we're living only with lies, it's, 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 uh, it's killing our spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's also made manifest when we're forced to supposedly go along with the, the woke agenda, the chance humanism, the chance drender stuff, where yeah. even if you disagree with it because people don't want to be singled out, they're going along with it, but you're, you're telling a lie to yourself by doing that. Yes, yes. Well, the whole the whole um, <laughs> woke agenda and the whole the entire Marxist leftist green agenda is 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 an inverted an inverted truth. It's just the opposite of what it claims to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the word left also implies traditionally implies that that it is something inverted because you are either of a right mind. <laughs> and, I don't, in, in German, when we use the word left, it also means to be tricked or something. I don't know if the, 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 the English language has anything like that. Okay, I, I hadn't heard that. the no. term left. No. If you say that's very link, that's yeah, a sehr link in German. Yeah. It's, it's very left. It means that is deceiving me. Right, okay, that's interesting. The left side stands for deception. Right. 
Well, that's interesting because we have a saying here, you've gone out to left field, but obviously that's an inversion because people say that that's where I spend a lot of my time, but that obviously means they think I'm deceiving them without even realizing what they're saying to me. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, it means you're not you're not thinking in the norm. You, you've gone way, way, way across the fields, across the hedges, into the distance, and you're exploring a whole new area. Well, that's that's okay. That's okay. That's an okay yeah. thing to do. And it is. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether the term left is linked into that. I mean, it's just like the, the term public, which means government. So that when when something is serving the public, they're actually serving the government. Yeah, exactly. So they they pretend it to be yeah. for common good, and it's yeah. only serving private, certain private interests, and that's, that's all right, it yeah. is. And the other deception there is that um, the all these uh, left leftist ideologies they involve coercion. Yes, to coerce you, and mm-hmm. coercion itself is of course toxic. Yeah, and they live. They... Which of course, why you have a police force. The armed forces, yeah. everything is force, force, force. Force, force, because yeah. so, and that brings us to the fundamental religion that they are spreading. And the fundamental religion that they absolutely depend upon is the belief that man is evil. They are doing everything to, to tempt people to become evil. And then they are spreading like, well, we have to force you, otherwise there will be only injustice. We have to force you, otherwise you will destroy the environment. And man is evil, and we have to control man, otherwise we will destroy everything. That's the, the whole inverted agenda. Yeah. And it all comes with us believing that man is fundamentally evil. Yeah. So the only way out of this prison is to maintain our faith in the good of man in general. Mm-hmm. Believing that humans are naturally good, mm-hmm. and that this goodness can come to the fourth. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you if you look just on the 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 environment stuff, there's 100 corporations um, probably produce about 70 or 80 percent of all the pollution on the planet. Oh, plane, whatever. But they they are absolutely adamant that it's your my fault, and yet they're the ones doing it. Which again is is a psychopathic projection, isn't it? Yeah, that's they are they're working with this projection all the time. The projection yeah. itself is the big lie. Yeah, they're making all the evil and then telling us we are so bad we can't rethink, we cannot change ourselves, we can't adapt to protecting yeah. the environment. We cannot do all that because yeah. it's getting worse and worse. But they are making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing both sides. They're making it worse and blaming us for it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the dialectic they are working with. Um, do you happen to know the fairy tale Hansel and Gretel? It's uh, one of these grim tales. Yeah, yeah. vaguely. Yeah. It's it, been a long it, time since I read it. Same, yeah. Did they keep the same names in English? I don't know. Yes, they did. Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. So you have this this house made out of cake, and then the evil witch, mm. and that's how they work. They they give you all these temptations to think, to do things. That are wrong. They tell you do whatever you like. It's this liberalism, and then the world goes into chaos because of the rampant uh, egoism of all of of people. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, look, you're so evil. You can't you can't even get along with each other. You can't uh, respect nature. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. Now we have to force you. That's the evil which. Mm-hmm. So they always do both. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and and the fairy tale 
already tells us that they that this is how they do it. Mm -hmm. But how many youngsters don't know the fairy tales anymore that weren't read them? Yeah, that's why I wrote a, a whole book about it, with the interpretation of uh, like thirty-two fairy tales of of the of the ancient German fairy tales. I look forward to reading that when it's in English. Yeah, <laughs> would be. The next one would be the Ring Veda, which is about Atlantis, and then after that would probably be the fairy tales that I'm going to choose. Okay, all right. That that would be really interesting because there's some there's so much information in there if you just want to unpack them. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, there's so much spiritual information, so much about all the things that it means, what it means to be, fundamentally means to be human. Mm. So much in it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the things I wanted to, um, if we could, just kind of chew around the idea a little bit is competition versus cooperation. It was something someone mentioned last night, and I thought that'd be a good one to, to discuss a little bit. Yeah. Because the whole, the whole system that's, you know, the the... Uh, capitalism, as an example, requires competition to survive. Mm -hmm. But the whole the whole thing within that is that system and, and its counterpart, communism, they both require cooperation from us, otherwise they can't exist. Yes, we always have to, we have to cooperate, of course. Yeah. And, well, <clears throat> there is a side to competition that can be good if it comes in the right context. Mm -hmm. if, if companies... Uh, there are different companies uh, that compete for for a certain market for customers, and you as a customer can choose. Well, I choose that because that has the best uh, price value ratio, mm -hmm. and and then it's for the good of the customers also. So it can be a good thing because if you don't have that, if you have only monopolies, yes, and they say they ask whatever from you. That's the worst situation. So, but the, the question is, what kind of competition do you get? Yeah, if, if we just interject there, if I may. Hostile, you can have a hostile competition mm -hmm. and you can have a kind of sporty competition where, yeah. uh, where coexistence is absolutely possible and even cooperation is also possible. Yeah. But uh, the competition that we see in uh, in the economy is a hostile competition competition but only because our monetary system is set up the way it is set up mm -hmm. so i think i mentioned that last time that did, did i or was it in a, we discussed in the monetary system? system yeah yeah so we have um because of interest the huge money on other the, the the big <laughs> the, the very rich people mm -hmm. Um, they only invest if they can expect another interest on their investment. Yeah. So they keep they keep uh, skimming their income and 
putting it away and not reinvest. So that creates an economy where, where there is less and less money in the economy, which also means that if companies there compete for the same market, for the same customers, and they need to earn a profit, the system is already bound for one of them to fail. Mm -hmm. Because if one fails, the um, no, I mean, the production is saturating the market and the saturating market is lowering the prices. And that always naturally comes to a point where none of the companies can earn a profit, none of them. So and if they then manage to, but if they have to earn a profit because the invested investors demand a profit, um, one of the companies at least, or some of the companies, depending on how big the market is, have to crash, their production is going out. So there's uh, the, the scarcity is increased. So there's less product on the market, the prices can rise and the rest of them can now earn a profit again. Mm -hmm. But that keeps coming again and again, because they are going to keep serving the market, saturating it, lowering the prices to the point when nobody earns a profit. And then one or some companies have to crash again, mm -hmm. go out of business again. And then that keeps coming back. So the system is set up so that companies know either I kill someone else or I'm going to be killed. Yeah. So and that is a hostile competition. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't have to be that way if money was circulated in a different manner. And that eventually creates ever larger corporations and, and cartels and monopolies and giving, finally giving the economy, giving all the power to just a few people. That's how they were. the money was set up hundreds months, some centuries ago. And it was clear that the final result would be as it is today. Yeah. It's, ju it's just a systemic thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the things to remember as well is that if you think you have, you know, freedom of choice when you go into, say, the supermarkets, a majority of the brands that you think you're buying that are different, they're all owned by one holding corporation. Anyway, in fact, they're all probably owned by BlackRock. So eventually, yes. Yeah. And BlackRock is owned by a few families. Yes. Yeah. 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 It all comes down to this monetary system because if you had uh, a money that was circulated in a manner where you don't have to earn a profit, but did, did I explain how flowing money works? You, you did mention it, but for the sake of this being a separate discussion, I think it would be worth mentioning it again. Yeah. It's when you have, <laughs> well, I make a bigger picture here. Hi. The, um, in the economy, money has a, a special place because it's a kind of a wild card, like when you play a set of cards and you have these wild cards, which you can exchange for any other <laughs> card, money has the same because all, all that is in the market, you can buy with, with money. So this wild card function has an extra value, which normally is rated at about five, 6%. So when you, when you lend money to someone, you're giving away this wild card function of your money. And the interest you charge is basically paying for this wildcard function that you are giving away. But that leads to a situation where money dominates everything and, and money becomes stronger than even the labor, stronger than, than human beings. And we are all controlled by money. So what we need is a money that adds uh, a negative function to the wildcard function. 
I don't know, there, there's a card game called, uh, in, in German we call it Black Peter. <laughs> okay. It's, it's similar. You have a card, uh, there's one card included, the one who keeps that card at the last loses the game. So you have to try to get rid of it. Okay. I'm not that familiar with card games, so I don't know what the equivalent would be. Yeah. So basically, it's, um, it's when you have a tax on the money itself that has about the value of the wild card value, which is would be about 6% per year, Yeah. then this function that makes money more powerful than everything else is neutralized. Mm -hmm. Because a tax on the money means nobody wants to pay that tax, of course. Mm -hmm. And that has the effect that, say, you have, you have a, a, a money node with a, with a date on it. Mm -hmm. It says, say, every 17th of a month, you have to pay half a percent. Half a percent per month would be 6% mm -hmm. per year. Yep. And uh, nobody wants to pay that. So you see to spend your money or invest it quickly or even lend it to someone. Mm -hmm. And then that person has to pay the tax if he has this note. Mm -hmm. So that serves as uh, that tax serves as a circulation trigger. It keeps triggering circulation so that money is not being hoarded mm -hmm. when it's being given away without interest. Mm -hmm. So if now if you go and, and, and invest a lot of money into a company and this company is no longer producing a profit, it's just working for zero. Mm -hmm doing fine, but not producing a profit on, the, on another return on the in, uh, an income on no, another return on the investment. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, what they do with the current money system is they can pull it out and invest it somewhere else where they get interest. Mm -hmm. But if you have a system where when you give your money to the bank, you don't get any interest. We have that situation, but the situation we have is, is, is different now because there's no tax on the money. But generally speaking, mm -hmm. if investors know, well, if I pull my money out of company, I cannot earn interest anywhere else, then mm -hmm. they leave it there. Mm -hmm. And that means that whatever investments companies have to make, they get their money interest-free, and all the money they earn, they give to their employees, and it is also for the entrepreneur himself, so that their work is being paid for 100% of the money is for the people who do the work, and zero percent is for those who give, who invest the money, mm -hmm. and that creates a complete change. That not all the money is flowing to the investors and make them ever richer, but all the money is flowing to the people who do all the work, and that that's a system we had in the high middle ages. I think I mentioned that the the other time also. You did, and then and then. Um, there's no point in eliminating other companies because the, the market going towards saturation and towards zero profit will just stay the same mm -hmm. if, you, if you kill someone else. And then everybody can coexist and serve the same markets. And that removes this aspect of hostility that is yeah. programmed into our system. That's really interesting. Yeah. It creates an entirely new reality because I, uh, in my book about money, which is called, called Global Prosperity, I haven't translated that yet. I explain the nine automatisms of money. Mm -hmm. 
So that we that the current system has the first automatism it creates uh, continuously creates scarcity of money, as uh, as I already explained, because yeah. the investors take the money out and do not reinvest if they don't cannot uh, expect another interest on their investment. Yeah. So getting less and less in the real uh, in the real economy. And people doing the work, they get less, less, less and less money. So unemployment is rising, uh, payment gets worse. That's what we experience. That's an uh, intrinsic problem of the system. It will always be like that as long as we have money of this type. Mm-hmm. The second is the automatic redistribution from the working to the to the rich and super rich, particularly. Mm-hmm. The third is hostile competition, mm-hmm. which then also transfers to a hostile competition between whole economies where whole economies fight for an export surplus against others, which actually is a, is a constant war. It's being waged on the level of economy, mm-hmm. which is also uh, in, in, in the last centuries has been the main cause for all the wars that, yeah. that happened. Yeah. And then the third is um, the automatism of waste because because of the redistribution, they need constant growth of the economy because the redistribution impoverishes the working people. And uh, that can be mitigated only by economic growth. That's why they keep telling you the economy has to grow, has to grow, has to grow. Yep. Then again, if the market gets saturated, the profit also goes to zero and they, mm-hmm. uh, they don't need that. So the, you have this contra- contradiction that you need growth, but you need scarcity. Mm-hmm. And that enforces products to become more and more short-lived. Yeah, obsolescence planned. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only chance to, to create growth when you have saturated markets is by wasting them. Yeah. And that goes at the expense of our environment and of the resources of the earth. Yeah. So that's also intrinsic to the system. That's mm-hmm. waste. The environmental destruction comes not because humans are evil, but it comes from the monetary system. Mm-hmm. The fifth is uh, centralization and ever-growing centralization also of power, power central, power concentration and centralization, uh, where we used to have economies that were self-sufficient or self, how you call it, uh, producing everything they needed. Yeah. Today, uh, their ideal world is, I mean, the, the, the high finances ideal world is that you have only one or two companies making all kinds of things. One or two, two companies making bananas, one or two companies making coffee, one or two making this and that. So mm-hmm. everybody is completely dependent on their system that they have set up. Mm-hmm. That's also coming automatically because, um, of course, they want to abolish all the borders and all the all the customs because then they are then they need their corporations only in a certain place and can sell worldwide and all yeah. at the expense of all the middle class domestic companies. Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the fifth. The the sixth is that of contortion of the law, because we have a system where money is more important than human beings. Yes. And uh, that co- that contorts everything. Uh, that that uh, twists everything uh, into good is evil and evil is good. Mm-hmm. 
Which is what you see in the so-called legal system now. Yeah. Everything has to be... The mon monetary system is so shaky because it it serves the working people so badly yeah. that we hardly have enough... Most people hardly have enough money to survive. So uh, everything has to be done to keep this monetary system going. Yeah. Money, 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 but... The fact that it doesn't really serve us well at, at any point is, is never mentioned. But more, it has to it has to be kept going. Mm -hmm. so that's the six. Then then comes uh, the traumatization it creates. So we're, with the seven, eight, and nine, we go into the spiritual level. It creates a uh, it creates a traumatization of our planet and of people. And 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 the six the six automatism is what goes constantly against truth because you know. Truth is made into lies. Lies are made into truth, but by this system. And uh, the eight is the fear control that that are given because people. I mean, the system pro automatically produces uh, a deterioration of everything, and of course, people are afraid of these deterioration, afraid of becoming unemployed, afraid of not having enough money, afraid of. Uh, Possible wars, afraid of whatever they are spreading, the fears they are spreading by the media. Um, and this, the, the, the last one is that the system gives those who hold the money an interpret, interpretive authority over this world. Because mm. they have the authority to tell us uh, how, what things mean. Mm-hmm. Because uh, and we are guilty, and we are we are guilty human beings who destroy everything, and they have the solutions. So the ones who created the problem in the first place and been a large player yeah, in that. They, yeah, that's that's their system. That's this um, problem reaction solution thing. That that's right. Yeah. They create yeah. the problem, then they provide the solution. Yeah. And the ultimate, the ultimate. But the solution always serves them. <laughs> yeah, the solution is worse than the problem. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, what what they what they do what they will try to do over the next years is of course they will create such poverty on this planet, such rampant unemployment, and people hardly coming by, uh, uh, coming uh, making ends meet, that they will finally offer their digital currency. Mm -hmm. solution as well now we have the solution for all problems and that will be total dictatorship yeah we fall for that yeah that's when the little slam shot on the cage you won't be able to get out very easily yeah and then we have to learn to set up an economy that works without their money yeah yep. and that's that will be that will be the solution and uh, it's not going to be so easy but i think it will happen. I mean, it, it will because they have no alternative to trying to enslave us all. No. That's all they know to do. Yeah. So we know they're going to do this, and so we can think. We we have the time to think. No, what can we do? Yeah. How can we become independent? How? What? What do we need to do to create a system that frees us from their blackmail? Yeah. Well, that's why discussions like this are so very important to explore those concepts and ideas and get people thinking as well, yeah. because we have the creative ability to solve any problem. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm what I'm working on is um, 
speaking to people that's going to be one of my next projects speaking to various people who work on these uh, alternative economic systems mm -hmm. and how we can set that up and become independent from a from the big corporations and be from the government that's the two things that the high finance control yeah and that's the two things we need to become independent from yeah it, it's not i mean it's in many ways it's a very complex problem but in other ways it's actually quite simple when you recognize where the problem sits then you can deal with it yeah yeah you need you need a vision you need a target and then you can go for it yeah yeah definitely yeah. it was really interesting thank you so we were going to talk about why you took the direction you took, why you became an author, why you decided to start exploring these topics and writing them down. Yes, that was, that was my suggestion. It was. So my interest has always been the human consciousness. Uh, so I was mostly interested in spirituality and psychology. Mm -hmm. And money was not ever really of interest to me. Yeah. And uh, in the early years uh, of the first decade, a friend of mine uh, who gives money seminars, <laughs> he explained to me um, the working of money, the mechanisms of money, and uh, what the solution would be. And at some point, I realized that we live with a monetary system that is completely destructive and that it could easily be changed into something that supports us in our in our development in our expansion as human beings so i thought okay most people know that our money is something contains something very dark and negative but it's very hard to describe uh, what this darkness is or what, why money does what it does. Mm -hmm. So I was inspired to write my first book about this matrix or this blueprint that is contained in, in our money. That's how I started to explain these different automatisms that are there, like, that, as I said, scarcity, redistribution, also competition. At some point, I thought, well, how many are there? Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I thought, okay, if I only write an analytical book about money, where I explain, logically explain what money does, the vast majority of people will not be interested because it's only serving the left side of, the, of our brain. And I thought, I need something that explains the same things with just with pictures that serves the right mm -hmm. right side of the brain and when i was thinking what what analogy or what pictures are best suited to explain this my my mind kept going to the lord of the rings yeah. i just couldn't help it it was just yeah. came there again and again because it was very clear that um the monetary system that we live with that that is the one ring that was very clear to me and that this the one ring what it does what it did is it was originally in the past it was created by sauron but then sauron was defeated but the one ring stayed but when it came back into the world sauron also 
rec um, took shape again and became mm -hmm. stronger and stronger again. So I knew there's this close connection between the ring and, and Sauron. And if that is the monetary system, then Sauron logically is the the, the hidden, invisible, uh, I don't want to say elite, <laughs> group of predators. Predators, yeah. <laughs> the group of predators that uh, use this ring, um, this ring of power, which is what it is called, to, to strive for total control over humanity. Mm -hmm. And then also there's this uh, the nine ring wraith, which are very closely linked to the ring, because when the ring becomes stronger, the nine ring wraith appear. And the moment the one ring is destroyed, they also all disappear. So it was clear that these nine have a very close relationship. And as I was working on working out, elaborating the automatisms that our money has, I thought, okay, there must be nine. There was a sudden thought. There must be nine of them. <laughs> because it's the ring race. Yeah. And that's what is tormenting us. That we live in a world where most people have a problem getting enough money or, or making ends meet. And uh, where we see uh, an ever bigger divide between poor and rich. Yeah. Where we see uh, an ever-growing hostility that's coming from money, where we see an, an environmental destruction that seemingly cannot be stopped. And it, and this is all coming from the system. So so really, these nine are part of, of the one, which is the, is, the, is, the, is the central problem. The symbolism also connects inside and outside. It connects our consciousness to the outside world, because all these automatisms also have have a reflection in the human mind, or you should say, of course, everything comes from the mind. So the mind was first and the, the, the occurrences in the outer world came, came second. Mm -hmm. It was by thinking about money that I came to see this uh, structure. So it gave me uh, this very complex understanding what money does, but also an understanding of the structure of the human mind. Mm -hmm. I saw that when I looked, then took a closer look at all this symbolism of talking, that he has in a symbolic form depicted a, uh, all the elements of the human mind in a form that is more elaborate, more precise than anything I've ever read. There's no, I know no spiritual book and no book on psychology that is as precise and as comprehensive to describe what humans are than, than the symbolism of talking. All told in story fashion, which is how we learn anyway. Sorry? It's all told as a story, which is how we best learn anyway. Yeah, well, how we best learn it anyway, yeah. But it's also so extremely precise in, in, in his, um, I mean, the elves, which are immortal, men and dwarves, which are mortal, which is really the parts. Uh, we have a, an immortal part and we have a mortal part of our of our consciousness. After I wrote the first book, where I, where I just roughly used the symbolism to explain these automatisms that I have shown, and and also explained what the uh, what the destruction of the One Ring in in uh, in Mount Doom what it means, because that's it's a very good picture for interest free flowing money, because the um, the um, 
the abyss of Mount Doom, where where you have this this uh, intense fire, um, that symbolizes on 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 the consciousness level that symbolizes uh, the guilt that we feel from leaving unity, from leaving leaving God, from separating and creating ourselves uh, a world of where we can experience suffering. And we constantly feel guilty for that. And the Mount Doom itself that came from this, from this abyss symbolizes uh, lack. That's the lack and poverty we doom, we doom ourselves to, mm. which is also transferred to the money. When we use this money, this is the poverty that is being produced in the world automatically. Most people are become are being impoverished mm -hmm. and um, that's a close reflection of, of of the core problem we have in the mind that is if we believe subconsciously believe that we are guilty then we keep working on getting rid of that guilt which means but this subconsciously felt guilt is an illusion so we are constantly working on redeeming a solution, uh, redeeming a problem that is illusionary and wasting most of our energy on that. Yeah. And this is what creates the lack. And, and the ring, <clears throat> the ring that is forged by Sauron in this, in this, in, at the core of this mountain stands for guilt projection or blame, blaming others, projecting our sense of guilt on others. And that's how Sauron, the, uh, on, on a consciousness level, the ego reigns. Uh, the ego has full control of our consciousness by projection. We project all problems on others. It's their fault. It's their fault. But at the same time, if you extrapolate that to the outer world, if we all live in a consciousness where we are basically blaming others, then we are creating a world where there are some people coming to the fore who are experts at uh, playing our one side against the other. Yep. They keep us all in blame and saying it's their fault and they tell them it's their fault. Mm -hmm. Then they are above, they are everybody's friend. They're financing all sides, but at the same time, they're controlling everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this irresponsible mindset that we have been tempted into making it our own, this blaming mindset, and have created a world where there is a small group of predators controls us all. And the only way out is that we leave this blaming mindset and take responsibility. It's the only way out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Because the problem is, when you have two sides, which are both in a way evil, like what we see politically in the world, in, in, in the alternative media also. I mean, the high finance, they control the West, they control the East, but they, they are constantly promoting the evil on both sides. Mm -hmm. So when the alternative media say, well, oh, the US is doing this and this evil and this evil, and, and it's all true, they're doing all this evil. But it's the same on the other side. Yeah. It's the same on the other side. So if you can prove that someone else is evil, it's no proof that you are good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice trap. Yeah, but well, that's what 
where we are tempted into believing. And then as, as long as we are falling, it also in this East-West thing and, and, uh, and Trump and Putin are saving us and, and, and on all these things. Mm. We, are, we are trapped in this game that they have set up for us. Yeah. But really, we, we cannot stop at, uh, at naming uh, and pointing at these predators and naming them and say it's all their fault because that's the same, more of the same. Because once we've understood the game, it's we have to stop blaming. We have to stop blaming and, and think about the solution that we uh, that we we can bring about that we are responsible for. Yeah. And well, all that is cont- contained in the symbolism of talking, which is why I wrote I think one, two, three, four, five books about it. <laughs> Only about talking. Yeah. That's how I came from money to to a very detailed spiritual system to describe the human mind. Mm-hmm. So I then, after that book that that I called Flowing Money, um, I started a series, and the first book is called Ninefold Self Healing, and it's just describing this ninefold structure of the human mind. Mm-hmm where we have three spiritual elements, three mental elements, and three energetic elements in, in our mind. And the second book was then again about money, where that I focus only on, a, on, a, on the monetary problem, to show again, this is the problem, this is the solution. And uh, the real problem is that this monetary system is only a reflection of the collective human mind. And which we have to, which have, we have to correct first, or which we have to heal first. We need healing before we can really change the outer world. We, we first have to fix our mind and, and find healing for all that is, uh, for all the suffering that we are steeped in. Yeah. Yeah. Then the third, fourth book was the third book is about the sim- symbolism of talking, which is uh, which I'm about to publish now as an ebook in English where I explain the whole symbolism. Mm -hmm. And the next one would be The Ring Annihilation. That was volume four, which starts uh, with the second ring war, which was actually the time of ancient Rome. And then up to our time, the Middle Ages, which was the period where the one ring was absent. And then it came again and produced another high finance of our time. So that, that's the whole ring annihilation, also showing how we can produce the solutions we need to get out of this. Mm-hmm. That, that's the whole book about And the end of that, I have already published in English as the ring wraith annihilation, which is only the final part of the ring annihilation, mm-hmm. which can also be acquired as uh, ebook. I have so far given that for free, but I'm going to charge a few, uh, a few pounds for that soon. The next book was on the fairy tales, where I go into the depth of the fairy tales, because they they all, not all, but most of them go to a certain aspect of the nineness of the human mind and only talk about that. Do you know Rumpelstiltskin? You, you, you don't know the fairy tales well, right? I don't know them well. It was a long time ago, but I remember being ready as a child, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Analogously to the automatisms of money, we have uh, the human mind is about the first part is about our provision with energy or, or, or the, the topic is provision or supply. The second topic is the, the topic of exchange. Mm-hmm. The third topic is the topic of togetherness. 
in uh, social social togetherness. The fourth and on the met mental level, the first is the topic of self-esteem, of self-value. Mm -hmm. The next one is power. The next one is law. The next one is then on a spiritual level is uh, the sense of meaning. Mm. And then the next one is our sense of being and then is our spiritual consciousness. That's the, that's the nineness. Rumpelstiltskin, for, for instance, is belongs to the fourth because it's, it's about self-value because it starts off with a miller who claims that his daughter is able to make straw into gold. So it's about this uh, boasting and uh, I can do this. So that's, that's a topic trying to enlarge his own value. The whole thing is... What do we do? Making straw into gold is making something that is not gold stands for our true self that is shining out of itself. And making straw into gold is creating a picture out of ourselves, pretending that is us. Yeah. It's pretension, pretending to be some someone better, bigger, whatever than you feel you are. And then the king asks more and more straw to be made into gold because once you start doing that you have to produce more and more of that to be this super super person that you have shown the world to be to, to make them to keep them believing that this is you but of course it is not you it's just a certain surface that you're showing so what happens ultimately is that the rumple still skin the, the, the little it's described as a as a little ridiculous man. This is a symbol for this ego that tries to be much bigger than we feel we are. He ultimately claims the child of the princess. And the child of the princess is our true self. So we come to a point, if we do that, if we provide a picture of ourselves that is much bigger than we feel we are, and we have to keep doing that, if we don't stop doing that, we ultimately lose ourselves. We, we lose our true being, our true identity. That's the loss of the child. And then when she sees, okay, when we come to the point that we feel, man, I'm, I'm, I'm completely losing myself. I'm completely losing who I really am. I can't do this. I can't continue this. Then comes the quest for why am I making this problem? What, what is the real problem? And the solution is here that she has to find out the name of this rumpled still skin, which means um, you have to be, if you do that, you have to be very honest about what you're doing and authentically communicating, well, I've been doing this so that you think better of me and I've done this, so that you really show who you are. And then this whole thing goes and no longer controls you. So that's, that's one aspect that is of the human mind shone upon by one fairy tales. And in a similar manner, all these fairy tales, they really highlight certain aspects of the human mind and what the problem is and how, how we come out of it. Mm -hmm. so that's the book about the fairy tales. That's fascinating. The symbolism, the symbolism is so deep that... It will reflect anything. I mean, if you, the mind you put on it, it will shun back to you. It will come back to you. So if you have a psychoanalytical mind, as Freud taught, then you will see sexual symbolism everywhere, right? 
So the way you look at it, it will it will look back to you. But from my perspective, the the symbolism is very spiritual. It's very deep. It's very close to who we are as human beings. Mm. Mm. I definitely got a feeling for that from speaking to you and reading your book as well. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to reading the bigger book. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm working right now on uh, <laughs> the the ring annihilation. Yeah. Fantastic. Is, is there anything else or would you like to call this one to a close and we can hopefully do another one sometime? Is there anything you would like to talk about or ask me? I don't know right now. I, no, I don't think so. I, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm conscious if we do, then we'll, we'll yeah. be into a much longer discussion, which is fine. Yeah, it would be good. And we could also do shorter ones like this and then do them more often. Yeah. Yeah. As always, it's been a it's been a great pleasure. And I've really enjoyed this discussion and listening to you and getting a deeper insight into those topics and also how your mind works. That's been fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. It's my pleasure. Good. I'll get these edited up and I'll get them over to you. Um, great. I'll see if I can get them done before the weekend. Actually. Thank you, Adrian. Take care. Yeah. Speak soon. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.